Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Let Us Talk, the podcast of VSA Utrecht. With me today are my two co-hosts, Leon and Julia. Hi. <laughs> Hello, my name is Leon. I'm actually here for the first time, so I'd like to introduce myself. I'm 27 years old. I'm originally from Germany, but I started my PhD at the University of Utrecht in December, and I'm dealing with animal ethics and the ethics of technology, or more specifically, I'm dealing with the ethical and societal implications of genome editing in so-called farm animals. And I'm Julia. I'm also quite new. I'm... Uh... <laughs> from Germany as well um, and here since January and I'm 23 years old and I'm vegan since yeah a little more than two years now. Well guys today the uh, topic of the episode is veganly asked questions part two or also called frequently asked questions part two. This week we are going to talk about other questions that people really like to ask vegans and maybe answer them a bit or give you some help with how you can answer them and give our personal experiences with them. To start off, we have the subject of taste. You hear a lot like, oh, you can't have this right. You don't like animal food. So I want to ask you to, what's your opinion on that question? You can't have this milk right well i could but i don't want to <laughs> because obviously um i know under which conditions it's produced so yeah and i don't want to support these conditions and i think many people wouldn't either so i could but i don't want to or like at least my morals or my knowledge about the topic tells me not to do so yeah and that has no impact on your taste uh, of the products right well what what do you mean exactly <laughs> like you don't like the taste of the products because you're vegan? Uh, no, I really love the taste of the products. I love milk, me meat, bacon, everything, everything you can imagine. I think it's super tasty. But um, I think a lot of people underestimate the variety of vegan, the vegan cuisine and vegan opportunities that you have. So actually, I could also get my vegan steak, I could get my vegan bacon, and so I have a similar taste experience, but without all the suffering involved. So I don't see that I have to make a lot of yeah disadvantages i don't have any disadvantage in my food options maybe that it doesn't really um belong to the question but uh, a friend of mine who's not vegan um told me we went to a vegan restaurant and she told me that actually or she thinks and i think i agree to that that meat or yeah is mostly about how about the spices how you season it and if you want the taste of meat you can actually have it and also like the texture texture thank you <laughs> yeah with um for example jackfruit or so so it you don't even you don't, if you yeah. if you if you crave for something like this you have you can still get the same same experience without yeah any disadvantages for animals <laughs> yeah because also what you hear a lot is that people say i couldn't go without meat or without cheese or without dairy but that's nonsense of course there are a lot of people i said that myself like years ago i can't go without cheese and i was vegetarian at the time so I already gave up meat. Well, it didn't feel like giving up meat, of course, but I didn't eat meat. But still, I was like, no, I can't live without cheese. And I mean, look at me now. <laughs> One and a half year, years vegan, almost two. So, I mean, you can live without cheese. There are plenty of other options. And I think also a whole world of tastes and flavors uh, opens up 
when you go vegan because you have to season things differently. It's not the same with like the fat and salt of meat or dairy, right? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of products with uh, fat and salt that are very tasty, not very healthy, but very tasty. And you can also have vegan fat, salt, and of course also proteins um, that are also important for the texture. And I think the misconception that people have is that they think, oh, if I go vegan, I have my current nutrition minus the meat, minus the eggs, minus the milk. But it's not just minus because then you a whole bunch of new things are added to your daily nutrition. So, um, yeah, you learn a lot of new recipes that are vegan. You learn to new, get to know um, some new corners in the supermarket where you can get so many replacements, especially if you live at, like in a big city like Utrecht or Berlin or whatever. So a lot of things happened. So it's not your nutrition minus a lot of things, but actually a lot of new things are added that can more or less equally replace what's missing. Yeah, and I also think um, if you decide to to leave these products out, um, it's, yeah, I think when you're at the point where you decide, okay, I'm doing this, even if I love cheese, it's something, yeah, you do it for a reason. And then you also, maybe you get more into the topic. I mean, probably every one of us was at the beginning, okay, maybe maybe interested in veganism, but didn't really know anything about it and then you read more and more and at some point you just don't want to eat that anymore uh, one of my teachers also said once when i was vegetarian like most vegetarians go vegan eventually and i was like no i wouldn't do that <laughs> and that's very extreme again i would miss cheese i would miss milk But then slowly I started learning more and more about the industry, about what happens. And I still have that, still have more and more of that realization, like this is awful, especially as a veterinary medicine student. I believe that I have more exposure than maybe other people to like the, the meat and dairy industry. Of course, not too much because I'm still a student, I'm not working in the field. But still, all the cases we have to learn from and things like that, um, it makes me think, like, how are not more people vegan? Also in this study, because it's, I find it horrible sometimes, the things they say in lectures, but maybe I'm the only one. Yeah, I mean, maybe I think people don't really know it. But I think there are different um, conceptions of knowledge. If I just tell you what's going on in words um, and you've never seen the pictures, it's like, oh yeah, sounds bad, isn't cool, but it doesn't evoke a strong emotional response. But if you watch like Dominion, you see the pictures, you hear the non-human animals screaming and um, that does something to you if you see it and hear it several times. Um, but people, and then you, when you hear about the bad stories, just in words, then you make the connection to the back pictures and sounds. But if you don't know the pictures and sounds, if you didn't watch like the very cruel scenes of Dominion and other footage, there's so much footage of slaughterhouses or factory farming. Yeah, you have to know it in this sense. You have to know the pictures and the videos and the sounds, not only the words. Yeah, to really grasp like what's happening and to really let it sink in you mean yeah exactly it's so cruel that you cannot describe it in words i'm just i'm just thinking maybe that's total nonsense but that the argument that yeah about the cruelty maybe doesn't really catch lots of people because 
they already, yes, they know it and they eat it anyway. Maybe there's also, you have to give them more, more reason or more stuff to think about that they actually, yeah, see the point of veganism or, yeah, going or eating less meat at least. So yes, I was just thinking maybe this is, of course, for us, it's a very, very um, important argument, but I think for people from outside, it's probably sometimes just, yeah, I know about that. Yeah, but um, okay. again, do they really know? <laughs> did they hear it in words or did they only in words or did they also see the pictures and the footage? And I know some studies, for example, by, I think it was, who was it? it is, I think it was a study in 2016. It's about dissociation. So if you buy meat, you dissociate the animal from the meat. But if you reestablish the connection, people are less likely to buy it. And it's very easy things. So by for, uh, for example, <laughs> saying um, uh, pig instead of pork or saying um, cow instead of beef, that already did something with it. So if you reestablish this connection, people are less likely to buy it. And if you work with pictures and with the sounds of the slaughterhouse industry, like then people are even less likely. So okay. it works. Actually, I think I heard about like the idea that you could um, put like the images that you have now on uh, the packages. Yeah, yeah, on yeah, mm -hmm. that that you could also put them like on yeah minced beef like in the yeah. in the supermarket. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I would be very curious if that would actually make a difference. Probably yeah. it would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it would as well. But I think we also, as you said, we have to be aware that it's not the only factor and arguments alone do not make the difference because most people or people in general make decisions mostly based on intuitions and not on rationality so we do it intuitively without thinking so um, then that's also the level that we should appeal to and then there are a lot of social factors it's really easy to become vegan if your friends are already vegan if you go to a university where there are a lot of vegans if you go to a city where in the supermarket you're exposed to veganism all the time but if you live in a little village it's very hard to become vegan it's way more difficult for a person living in a village in a conservative village with conservative people around them than it's for us as students yes that's very true but also i feel like people aren't inherently cruel mm -hmm. so um, maybe they also disassociate what's happening to the animals so maybe they do know what's happening but they don't also want to see themselves like our brain doesn't want to see itself as bad yeah so you get the cognitive dissonance yeah um, of doing one thing but um your opinion is another yeah um so your opinion and your actions don't match up mm -hmm. so either i heard either you put it away yeah so you don't have to think about it or you um have a an internal crisis and you change your actions to better match your opinions yeah i actually know a funny study as well about um yeah it was completely randomized two groups of people one ate nuts the other one ate beef then they were asked to assess the cognitive capacities and the sentience of cows and the group eating beef it was completely randomized before the group eating beef said the cows are not essential they're not as capable cognitively it's just the effect of what they ate so very subtly that's really interesting yeah. But also, animals are really smart. People may not like really think that. Like also, what you said with the beef, they would rate a cow's uh, cognitive capabilities lower than the people who ate the nuts. But they are really smart. Also, chickens, you can learn them tricks. Pigs have an emotional bond with uh, their piglets. 
And in the cages that we keep them, the uh, pregnant pig, I don't know what's called in English, but um, usually, well, they give birth, of course, and then the piglets want to suckle at their mom, at their mom's teeth. What usually happens in the wild, quote-unquote, because, well, we bred them, of course, so they are wild animals. But if you have free-range pigs, I saw a video on that once for my study. The piglets and the mom have a big ritual. They sniff each other's snouts and they go like, okay, watch out, I'm gonna lie down now. Please don't go under me, please don't get trampled. In our cages, we have to have, like, very small cages and enough space for the piglets to run out of there when the mother lies down, because else they would be suffocated, which is, I think, really sad that we have put them in those cages where they can't even get contact with their mother so they she doesn't lie on her piglets. Yeah, I agree, it's crazy. It's, I think it's one. It's less than one square meter usually, uh, but now with the new labels maybe it's a little bit more than one square meter that the sow has, but it's ridiculously, yeah, little. And um, what's also, I think, interesting is, is always the reference to intelligence, but because I never see why intelligence should be morally relevant, because no matter whether you're intelligent or not, what's, what matters is the ability to suffer and to have interests, and these interests are so badly violated. Of course, you could make the argument if you're intelligent, but like with a certain level of intelligence, you have more interests that could be violated. For example, if you yeah, need some challenges, um, you can get bored more easily if you don't have enough space, but I think what matters is that you are able to suffer and that you have interests. And it's very obvious that pigs, um, cows, chickens, salmon, and other yeah. non-human animals can do that as well. And there's also think that's so ridiculous if people make this distinction between human and animals. Um, that they say, oh yeah, we humans are so rational and that's why we cannot kill each other or whatever. But we cannot harm each other, not because we are rational, but because we also have the capacity to suffer. That's why it's wrong to kill another human or to hurt them. Yes, exactly. Um, but that also ties into another like question. Some people say, oh, this meat is organic. Uh, they are from happy cows. So why is it bad to still kill and eat them? I can still understand kind of people who say that. But it's not really true because they are not happier than on, yeah, normal farms, I would say. Yeah, maybe they have like four, yeah, like a little bit more space, but that's, that's not all of the life quality. I think you both know they're probably way more, uh, over than I do. Um, and yes, and for example, like male chicks or baby chicks or calves. Calves, yeah. Calves. They, yeah, there, there's still no use for them, like, mm -hmm. economically. Um, so yes, they also get killed, even if it's like, yeah, an economic farm. Yeah. No, not economic. <laughs> Organic, yeah. <laughs> Organic farm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even if the pig had the best life ever, like, lived outside, has a lot of, the toys to play with. Actually, pigs also are able to play some computer games because they're super smart <laughs> and they like to do that. Um, but even if they have all these possibilities, I think there is no meat from happy pigs. There's only meat from dead pigs. And what gives us the right to um, take their lives? Because if we deny them their lives, they, we deny them so many positive experiences that we could make just for a certain piece of food that we could easily replace. 
by something that doesn't involve that killing. Yeah, and they suffer in the end the same as normal or yeah. pigs from normal farms do. Yes, also because they get slaughtered yeah. the exact same way, yeah. which is also really stressful. And yeah. as you said, it kills the pig before its natural life has ended, yeah. which is cruel in and of itself. Mm. Yeah, and not only from the pig's perspective, because we also have to kill about the, uh, talk about the killing or the murdering or the slaughter or however we want to kill it, uh, to call it. So, um, because it's a, an act of harm and I'm very convinced that humans usually don't like harming others. Like if I saw a pig, I would not have the idea of doing harm to them. And I think also that's what accounts for a lot of humans, right? Also people who eat meat, they wouldn't do harm to other animals because they, have a very strong aversion against doing harm to other animals, to other humans, or whatever. So, um, actually, that's why I think a lot of slaughterhouse workers also have very high rates of PTSD. They get criminal more often, and it's, of course, it's super logical. If you habituate violence, if you are violent every day, you become a violent person, and then it doesn't matter whether your victim is a human or a non-human animal. And a lot of... Um, yeah, murderers also trained themselves to come to be more cruel with non-human animals. Yeah, and it's also, of course, yeah, as you said, violence breeds violence. Yeah. So that's also one argument why we need to stop slaughtering animals. Yes. Yeah. Um, but of course, eating meat is tradition. So why stop that? I mean, <laughs> just because something is a tradition doesn't mean that it's good. I mean, it was a long time. It was a tradition that people used to hit their children if they did something wrong. It was a huge tradition to suppress women, to suppress people of other races and so on. It was a tradition to have wars if you wanted more territory. I don't know, like, I mean, I understand the point that a tradition, if you're used to something, that it's difficult to change it. But to say that a tradition is valuable just because it's a tradition, I think that's... Yeah, that's not generalizable. Yeah, and I think, I mean, there are also, like, traditions in other countries where it is not a tradition to <laughs> eat meat. I mean, for example, I think in India, mm -hmm. uh, where, yeah, where it's tradition to eat vegetarian or even vegan. So it's, yeah, it's also, and also, like, I mean, like a century ago, um, meat was something that you had on a, only on special occasions because it was just too expensive to afford like every day. So maybe that was the tradition then, but it has changed, um, yeah, in many ways. So that's also not really an argument anymore. Yeah, actually, yeah, in line with that, like, yeah, what you said, um, it has not never been a tradition that animals or non-human animals are so much objectified and instrumentalized. There was always some sort of relation between like farmers and an non-human animals. I mean, they, they still have this relation, but often like they, the farmers also for economic reasons have to do a lot of bad stuff to their animals, which they hate. Um, and um, this is not a tradition. It's not a tradition that we cut the ta pig's tails off. It's not a tradition to debeak chickens. It's not a tra <laughs> tradition to have like 70,000 laying hens in one company. That's definitely not a tradition. So um, also if you look at ancient like cave drawings and cave paintings, you never see animals like merely as objects, but there is also some mystification, some respect. I mean, of course, there is no respectful way of killing someone. But still, the relation was a different one, so it can 
it can change and now it's time to change it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's also, we live in a different age. We yeah. live in a different society yeah. than is tradition. If we would go back to tradition, um, how far back do we want to go? Do we want to go into the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages? Do we want to go back to the Roman period? How far do we want to go, which in itself is not possible because we have so many technological advances so we don't live in the age of those traditions anymore. So it's not right to say, oh, this tradition, I want to keep it solely because it's a tradition. But also, uh, the vegan diet, it's, it's a privilege, of course. But you also hear that a lot from other people, like, oh, it's a privilege that you can eat vegan in the Western world. What's your opinion on that statement? So I think basically when you cut it down like to the basics of the vegan diet, it is not a very expensive one because you can easily afford like lentils and stuff like that. Of course, it's, I think, I think it's actually a bit difficult, but all the processed food that is really tasty maybe, but also very expensive. That is clear or true. But again, veganism has been in the world like since ages and it was also always something a nutrition from people who don't, yeah don't really have much possibilities so it was also something that you can afford so i think maybe it is today we change it somehow to something like it because yeah if you see only like the yeah the processed food like that you can buy like this but the basics are available for everyone i would say yeah, i would even uh, ask the question the other way around i would say isn't it a privilege that in western societies we can eat f meat for such a low prices because of subsidies because we chop down the rainforest um because 90 percent or 80 percent of the soy harvest globally are not fed to humans but fed for non-human animals in order to humans in rich western societies in order to eat them so actually well it's a very big privilege that um, the meat is available here. And um, actually, yeah, if we think about why can not everybody afford certain products, um, it's because we don't f feed the humans, but we rather feed animals. So rich people in Western societies can eat those animals. So um, I would rather <laughs> formulate the question the other way around. I mean, I see that there's a certain lifestyle thingy to veganism, that it's a thing that privileged academics do, young people that usually have more money and that the industry knows it. And the prices are adapted to that in the sense that, yeah, it's a processed food is um, more expensive, like the um, substitutes, but simultaneously, like historically, meat has never been a cheap food. It has always been a luxury product. So meat is the luxury product and in the same way the substitutes are treated and yeah, only because we treat non-human animals under the worst possible conditions. That's why it's possible that we have this type of meat and that it's affordable. So that's where we have to talk about privileges and not the other way around. True. And it's also because we are in this privileged society that we can talk about what we are doing to animals. Like if you need an animal to survive, like you have one goat for your entire family and it gives you milk, it sustains you. And sure, it's about your survival, but we don't need the goat to survive. We can just eat plants because... We can get plants from everywhere, from all over the globe. We can even just get it from uh, the Netherlands, as we are here now. 
it's the fact that we are in this privileged society that we can have this conversation. We are not asking people that are struggling to survive to go vegan. We're just asking the people that can more easily go vegan to reduce their suffering that they cause. Yeah, exactly. It's always about the trade-off. Like for us, the trade-off is very easy here in Western societies. We have the suffering and the severe suffering and the harm of animals in other countries where there is just one God for the family. The God has a way better life than the gods here. But um, so here's the trade-off is severe suffering and death to just some sort of luxury product that we don't need. And in other countries, it's about the life of an animal against the survival of your own, or whole own family. And then the trade-off is completely different and it's a completely different moral question. Yeah, if we'd actually talk about meat and privileges, like, um, isn't it the most decadent thing on earth that there is, is feed for cats? Like, we produce <laughs> cattle, pig and chicken or whatever in order to feed even our cats. And now we talk about veganism being a luxury in order to, bru <laughs> to produce, like, feed for cats. Because we all know that the natu <laughs> natural enemies of cats that they like to predate are like cattle. <laughs> Have you ever seen a swarm of cats hunting cattle? <laughs> I haven't yet, but maybe we'll get them next year. <laughs> yeah, that's also, of course, like, as a vegan, can you have pets? Because you are, quote-unquote, using the animal. Or do you think, like, no, you can have pets? I think um, it depends. I mean, I think the biggest problem with cats uh, or pets is the way they are fed. For example, cats usually eat meat. I think for dogs it's very easy to give them vegan food, but for cats it's not. And then it, of course, depends where you get the pet. Like if you get go to an animal shelter where pets are living in a very small uh, area and they really need someone to live with them, then it's good. But I think it's very important what the relation to your pet looks like. So it should not be your property. It should not be um, like your instrument for your own happiness. But maybe you should more treat it like your own child. That is someone you care for. Someone who is, of course, not autonomous. But th because they are not autonomous, you have to fulfill their needs. And it should be a relationship of which both sides um, benefit. So it's very much about the personal attitude. Yeah, I think it's the same. I absolutely agree with you. <laughs> but of course, it's wrong if you go like to an animal breeder who just <laughs> makes more cats or dogs to make more money because we have more than enough of those. And um, also, like, there's so much wrong with the breeding that they're only bred for like certain looks that we find cute to get more eyes and to get because we breed them a little bit like human children with the big eyes, the soft face and everything. And sometimes they really suffer from that. I think in the Netherlands now breeding pugs is forbidden as far as I know. Okay. Or like uh, there are some laws about it that it's problematic. I think I heard of this once. I'm not very sure about this. But at least it's a thing we finally debate. But of course, this type of breeding is very instrumentalizing then. But it's not this relationship of care in which we take the recipient of care the non-human animal, the pet, in the center, but we take ourselves as a <laughs> in the center and say, oh, I want an animal that serves my needs, and then it's wrong again. Yeah, it's not about you yeah. per se. Yeah. You have also take the needs of the animal in consideration when uh, getting a pet, of course. Um, I also saw one study about dogs and their their diet. Mm -hmm. it's, it was funded by ProVeg, so like a pro-vegan vegetarian site. So be aware of that. But also it was published in a peer-reviewed journal. 
So if all is well, they shouldn't have any influences from that. But just to keep in mind, they found a correlation between the health of the dog and their diet. Dogs that ate only meat or more traditional mixed meat and other kind of, uh, I think, vegetables and purely plant-based diets, that the plant-based diet dogs were more healthy than the other two. And of course that goes into how we bred them. They have more of a digestive system that looks like ours because, well, they ate our food back like thousands of years ago. It helped them survive. So of course they would have uh, a better ability to digest starch or things like that. But I thought, thought it was really interesting to see, oh hey, there's a correlation between the health of the pets and their plant-based diet. Yeah, that's super interesting. I think I read that as well. And um, about that you said now, dogs and uh, feed, like um, there is um, a study, someone calculated how much money is spent on all dogs in America and they called it Dogsland. They compared like the money that Dogsland has with the money of other countries and Dogsland has more money than Paraguay. So it's crazy oh, that no. if we talk about decadence and, <laughs> and privilege, I think we should consider Dogsland first rather than vegans in Europe. And really consider, okay, also, of course, for the dogsland meat, this is where the rainforest is chopped for. This is where all the crops go into rather than feeding them to humans. And that's how we need to really talk about privileges and decadence. That brings us to the sin and exception category, which uh, basically means people that say, oh, you can have one bite or I won't tell anyone. What do you think of that? Uh, I don't want the bite. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think people who say that they don't really get what I'm doing with being vegan. And I mean, for me personally, I never liked meat, so it <laughs> would never be an option for me. But it's just so ridiculous to, to ask this question because you don't get at all the point of the other person's opinion. Attitude. Attitude. Thank you. If you're kind of sensitive um, about the feelings or about the attitude of the person in front of you, you wouldn't ask this question, I think, because it's, yeah, nothing what we as vegans would do. And it kind of is, yeah, it, it is provoking and that's not the sense of it. Or I mean, we don't... Yeah, we don't want it. Yeah, I mean, you also don't go to a Muslim or a Jew and say, ha ha ha, I have some bacon, I have some bacon, because that's just not funny, it's just disrespecting, like, the convictions of other. But I think there's also, as you said before, the cognitive dissonance plays a role in here, and then I'm like, oh yeah, come on, eat it also, so, so I don't, I'm not the only one who has to feel guilty, maybe, because a lot of non-vegans feel somewhat guilty close to vegans, because they're constantly reminded of what's happening, and then they're like, oh, maybe join me. So you don't need to feel bad anymore. I could imagine that that could play a role, maybe. I don't know. And also, the, yeah, I won't tell anyone. Like, that it's like, ah, I know you like it, but yeah, you can still be the vegan. But it's not about being vegan, about getting the label. And even if people indulge, or like, and even if people say, yes, I make an exception, or maybe, oh, now I have a craving, I think it doesn't make sense to say, oh, no, you're not vegan anymore. But as long as people have the right attitude and really change their behavior and have the goal of stopping this industry, I think it's cool and supportable. And that's what everyone should support. Yeah, I, I think what I don't like about this question is that it's just so negative And you, 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 yeah, you kind of want that the other gives in yeah. and, oh, yeah, 
Doe you maar. Ja, one bite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. one bite. Yeah. And, and then, ha, you're not vegan anymore. Or, yeah, just like you said, and that's, that's not the point of it. And yeah. also, um, not a healthy, yeah. But what would you answer to that? If anyone would say, uh, maybe it's like a holiday and you say, oh, it's Christmas. You can have one bite. It's a special occasion. Like, how would you respond to that? If you watch Dominion with me, I have a bite with you together afterwards. That would be my response. Did anyone watch Dominion with you afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> I know I I never get I never get this question really asked because no? no, but most people I know know me for a long time and I'm I mean I turned vegetarian in 2011 and mostly vegan in 2014 I think. So a lot of people know I'm that kind of person <laughs> and people don't try anymore. So yeah. So no, I I would say okay, if If they didn't haven't seen Dominion yet, I would say, okay, I eat it with you under this one condition. If you watch it with me together and afterwards we eat it together, hoping to make the other vegan. So the benefit outweighs the harm of the one piece of meat that is eaten. <laughs> I think I would simply say, no, I don't want to. And if you want to have a discussion about it, <laughs> we can do this. Maybe not in this place because it's, yeah, not that nice or disturbs like the peace and quiet yeah the but this is yeah you when you think that when you think about me like that then you are totally wrong and we can discuss it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and of course the animal doesn't like uh, suffer for just the christmas it mm. suffers for all its life um yeah. for you to eat that one steak or that one bite so it's also not fair for the animal to say Oh, just this one time, this one animal that can suffer. Yeah, it's like kicking mm -hmm. dogs. I'm not gonna kick a dog once a week because I said, <laughs> "Oh, I kicked dogs seven times a okay. week." I mean, I can have, uh, I can kick a dog on Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I understand maybe a little bit this, like, oh, just one time. It's so hard to be perfect. But still, if you ask me, is it better to do it or not to do it? It's always better than not to do it. But it's also not that hard anymore. I feel to do it. Because I don't get a lot of cravings for meat when people mm -hmm. put it in front of me. I think like, oh, poor animals. And just, I don't have the appetite for it anymore. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting question. Because um, it depends a lot on your conditions. Like for us, it's really easy. And we should definitely not do it. That's why we don't do it. <laughs> because, um, But I think there are also people in other situations also here. Like depending on your environment. So, of course, all people should not eat it, also not at Christmas, also not even once. It's better the more consequent they are. But um, it really always depends on who your surrounding is. Or if you say, like, for example, my grandma is very, like, one very, very famous German climate activist. Her name is Lisa Neubauer. She's, like, really the leading person of Fridays for Future. She's mostly vegan, but with her grandma together, she has, like, some... Advocate <laughs> once um, once a month or something like that, and then I'm like, okay, well, for this special occasion, it's, I mean, of course, ethically, rationally speaking, it's still not good to do it, but it's somewhat understandable because, of course, you don't know how long your grandma still lives, and maybe it's such a ritual, and that's, of course, that's not a good moral reason that it's a ritual. It's like the tradition argument. But it's somewhat understandable, and it's nothing like I would say, no, if you do this, you're, you're not vegan person. anymore, you're a bad person, or whatever. So it's always important to take the situation of others into account, but still to be quite clear on that it's always morally preferable 
not to cause suffering with their food decisions. A lot of also other buying decisions, right? There are a lot of decisions which cause suffering. If we think about MacBooks or if we think about clothing, like there we could also make the same argument or not donating money. It's also the same argument by not do like we could also do a lot of good by donating money. And, but if we buy something else that we really don't need, we also sort of cause harm because we could also in donate it to a, for a good purpose. I mean, there are a lot of ways to improve your life with your consumption decisions. So I'm, I think there are always ways that could be the best, but, um, we should not be too strict if not everybody's <laughs> perfect in this one topic. Yeah. And that, of course, there's one more infamous question that get, gets asked a lot. If you were on a deserted island, what would you do? <laughs> One animal, and you can only eat that animal. What would you do? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, thanks God we don't live on this <laughs> island. <laughs> no, um, yeah, yeah, really fortunately we live in the Netherlands if we're not in this situation. But yeah, if of course we were on, s on such a lonely island, yeah, we would also, yeah, probably eat this animal. But you could also s ask the same to your meat-eating friends whether they would eat their dog. And then whether they would eat their dog on this lonely island. So I don't get the point of this yeah, thought experiment. Because, of course, on a lonely island, it's a very demanding situation. It's a very special situation. And then um, we would also not behave in the best possible way. For example, if we hadn't have food like for one week or something, or two weeks or whatever, then, of course, we cannot always consider what's morally the best thing to do. But that's also not demanded cannot be demanded from us in such a situation yeah i agree with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i totally agree what you can also say just to disarm the question is like what's the animal eating i'll have that instead yeah i mean if it's eating anything like if it's a deserted island with no other vegetation i mean you are bound to starve anyway mm. so Or maybe you get eaten by an animal. <laughs> yes, that would be ironic. <laughs> to close this episode off, I have one more question for you too. If you have a partner, uh, a boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, husband or wife or anything in between or outside of that, would you want them to be vegan? Or is that a necessity you uh, place upon your relationship? Or is it not a bit that big of an issue if they are not vegan i think for me personally preferably yes of course it would be great if he would be vegan but that wouldn't be like an argument for me not to date him for example my boyfriend when i met him he ate lots of eat uh, lots of meat <laughs> I wasn't a vegan by the time and I was already thinking about it but wasn't really sure how to or also unsure to tell him because yeah maybe too too much or so but I think because I turned vegan and finally and learned a lot about it and obviously talked about it um, with him he decided for himself okay I see the point and I try to reduce eating meat and I think that's that's a very very good way <laughs> so uh, I'm very happy about that and I think I couldn't live with someone who's like are you a vegan oh then I eat even more meat because it's necessary that's no sorry <laughs> in general it wouldn't be like the argument against it yeah I totally agree and I think also if you love someone 
And then she is like, yeah, I'm not vegan in the beginning, but of course, if she loves you, she's more likely to also listen to you and not to be like, oh, no, I eat extra meat for you. I think that's not what my girlfriend or like your boyfriend would do. Like, um, so no, if I met someone and she, um, is not vegan yet, that's totally fine for me. But I think, um, it's a, again, it's about the attitude. If she doesn't care at all about this topic, I think that would be a problem in the long run. But I don't expect her to be fully vegan immediately or like also not very consequent in the long run. But as long as she shares certain values, I think sharing values is very important in a <laughs> relationship in general, then it's fine for me. But, um, yeah, again, like if she's like only eating meat, that would be <laughs> very, that wouldn't be nice for me. And I think that would be like a, also a point that, yeah, gives too much room for unnecessary discussions. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I also think like it's maybe a point of tension. Um, if one thinks like, oh, I love eating meat and vegans, well, they should shut up about it and just let me eat my piece of meat. And if the other one is vegan, that would cause a lot of tensions. Even mm. if um, the meat eating one isn't that vocal about it, I think it still is a topic that's, well, hard to discuss because it's food, it's tradition, it's a lot of things that's hard for people to change or hear different opinions about. So I do think that it's very convenient if a partner or potential partner is already vegetarian or vegan. It just saves a lot of trouble with cooking or discussions about animal welfare in general. Yeah, agree. I think what's also nice is a little bit that generally very many people are open for the topic of veganism. Uh, because I think ever, like there's a very strong agreement in society that if you see the pictures and videos that you say that this is bad. And if you have a person who loves you next to you and, um, then she will also be like even more open because then she cannot hide mm -hmm. from this topic anymore. And then she will just also act more in accordance with her intuitions if she has a good role model because the social component for her behavior change is very strong. And then you could even convince one person more. <laughs> Yeah, I also had this like with friends when I when I cook for them, like obviously vegan and they're like, oh my God, that's so good. Give me the recipe. And I'm like, it's it, every time it feels yeah like a little like a little win because it's yes, they are not completely vegan and they don't have to be, but they have one more recipe. They do vegan. And that's for me. Yeah, a very, very important thing about that. Yeah, I also saw it a lot of with a lot of friends that like at least the people very close to me they slowly always turned more into vegetarianism or veganism so you definitely have an impact by just being the role model or maybe the person that you would have wanted to have in your <laughs> uh, yeah friend circle um like or in your peer group <laughs> before you went vegan so you have to be this one person i think and then it will happen automatically well thanks everybody for listening please if you liked it don't forget to share or rate our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Five-star reviews are always nice. If you have any comments or questions, you can always go to the Instagram account of VSA, which is VSA Utrecht, well, on Instagram. And I hope to see you again in the next episode.